Hello and welcome to the end-to-end value chain podcast series. In this series, we discuss industry insights from people working to find solutions that benefit the entire value chain. My name is Zoe Darwala, Communications Officer at the Consumer Goods Forum. And today I have the pleasure of welcoming back both Brian Cluster, Industry Strategy Director, and Miriam Molino-Sanchez, Head of Global Retail Practice at Stevo Systems. Stevo Systems has been a member of the CGF for many years, where they specialize in bringing data management strategies for CPGs and retail. So nice to have you both here and looking forward to the discussion. Thank you. Pleased to be here. Okay, great. So, Brian, I will begin with the first question. During the last few years, the Western market has been immersed in the highest inflation peak. How has this affected retail sales and which type of retail is being more affected? Yeah, it's a very complex issue. You know, if you think about where we came from, we've had a lot of raw prices increase. We've had supply chain issues. We've had labor market challenges, geopolitical challenges. So that has really affected a lot of retail. Right now we're at the highest inflation for a very long time. And for the next few years, we're expected to be higher than average. So what we're seeing is shoppers still are going out. They're still enjoying going out to restaurants, going uh, buying their groceries, but maybe they're getting a little bit tentative about buying furniture, durable goods, and higher ticket prices. So that's being reflected in uh, what we're seeing across different retail. So groceries are grocery is doing well, convenience store, certain furniture stores, electronic stores, maybe a little bit lower than average. We're, we're also seeing from the luxury side, you know, different changes in behavior based on work from home. So markets, more people are working from home. So we're seeing changes in terms of demand within fashion. So more casual wear, more sports wear, maybe a few special items here and there, premium items, but not as frequent. So it's kind of a mix depending on the retail segment and the customer group, but that's kind of overall what we're seeing. So essentially there is a shift in consumer behavior. And uh, Miriam, the next question will be for you. So what actions are retailers putting in place to fight against inflation? So what key levers can retailers activate to prevent sales and margin erosions or limit both to the minimum possible? So um, retailers are tremendously conditioned by consumer behavior. And um, if we think on 2023, consumer behaviors are, will be greatly influenced on, on household by household income. So, so we will see higher income households when, uh, where probably they were very, very minorly affected by economic pressures. And as, as it happened with previous, um, in previous downturns. And we also, we will also see, um, uh, low-income households that will will likely cut back on or even eliminate discretionary spending, uh, including apparel. Um, so, so um, that that differences will also affect the way retailers are are reacting to inflation. And um, we know that some customers will trade down, uh, pivoting to to value retailers, and and that's that's a reality. That's that's there and. So, so therefore, retailers are working hard to cushion and soften the impact of, of inflation, but um, 
there's certain difficulties. So, so there are some retail segments. I'm thinking on grocery, for example, where uh, the margin levels are are between one, three, or four percent, and and this is um these are low margins, and so the space for for um, uh, for improvement is, is is limited somehow. But but and and retailers will try to protect their margins, of course, and and um, many of them will will um, also. Uh, increase their prices. So, so just to give you an idea, this, um, according to one to a survey that was it was directed to the fashion industry, uh, but um, um, according to that in, to that survey, three quarters of the executives that were interviewed they, they stated that they were planning to increase their prices. So so there will be a, a, a price increase movement to protect retail margins, but um, uh, fortunately that won't be the the only movement. Uh, because retailers are also doing uh, a lot of other things to try to reduce cost and therefore reduce the impact on 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 pricing to minimize the impact on on sales, and and what other things that they are doing to reduce cost? So so um, they they're working hard on the supply chain side. So for example, they are reallocating sourcing, moving from uh, offshore to to nearshore options, and this may sound a bit weird because it in, you can intuitively think that this is going to be a more costly option but you need to consider that um, uh, if we can if we look at the total landed cost when when you have supply chain inefficiencies that represents an additional cost and and when you move to near shore options you have greater flexibility uh, which has got an impact in, in cost and a nearshore facilitates the movement towards, um, for example, towards the uh, reducing batch sizes. That's 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 an option that retailers that are also also leveraging, and that that's good for certain areas of of the assortment. They are also trying to reconfigure the relationship with the suppliers, turning the, the supplier more into a partner. So you have you can establish different ways of relation of, of creating that relation and and sharing and collaborating to reduce cost. Other things that they are doing, for example, is they are considering cheaper options for the shipment routes, moving to low congestion ports or lower cost ocean lanes, or reallocating, if possible, to distribution centers in locations where the balance between labor availability and cost is more efficient, or just moving to third party or supply chain as a service as a service options to, to, to be more, more efficient. So, so there's an area of cost reduction in the supply chain that is being considered and activated by many, by, by many suppliers. Some others are, are simplifying assortment. That's another way of, of reducing cost. It reduces the cost of inventory and the risk of overstock, which is an issue um, in, this, in this moment. So just in, in, in contrast to what ha was happening last year, at the end of last year, you could see shelves out with, with product. Uh, right now, this, the situation of, I mean, talking in general, overstock, and therefore retailers are also launching hard promotions on, on that stock to uh, try to, to, to get free of, of them. Private label. It's 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 always a good level when it comes to um, when when you, you face this crisis or complex situations because I mean the reality is that consumers are, are, are tend to become less brand loyal and 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 turn to private brand options to cope with inflation and that's our reality so retailers are now re I would say readjusting their private label 
uh, strategy, expanding to new categories, creating new alternatives, and um, connecting that with an, an extensive knowledge of, of the different customer segments so that they are able to target specific customer segments with a specific uh, options in, in the private label assortment. And of course, the, the store side, so store rethinking a store, a store operations to optimize productivity. So reviewing store processes, implementing technology and analytics to simplify or to eliminate uh, non-value added task, uh, just to be more efficient and, and therefore reduce, reduce the, the cost of, of um, realigning labor uh, and, and um, changing the scheduling. So, so just to be, as I said, more efficient and, re and reduce cost. And there's an angle that I, I especially like, which is changing the way they communicate with customer and moving into um, the more soft and human side and, and um, promoting empathy. And I have a very nice example. So before Thanksgiving, there were uh, some retailers in, in the US that um, promoted cost-efficient menus to their customers. So, so this is, we understand that you want to bright with your family and your friends, but this is a way of making it in a cost of, in a cost efficient way so that is you don't have to spend that much money. And I mean realizing that this is hard for consumers, for, for those low income households, it's going to be hard. Uh, and, and adjusting your communication is also a very nice way to create that empathy because you need to consider that in hard times, the most important thing is not to lose your customers. So working on the loyalty side is, is also very relevant. No, thank you for that, Miriam. These are these were very practical examples of what retailers might do to combat inflation. Very cost-efficient um, strategies, whether it's relocating, balancing pricing, as well as that you just mentioned, changing your communication strategies with your customers. So there has been talk, especially within our coalition, about how data relates to all of this and how can retailers leverage this kind of data, you know, to combat inflation, the effects of inflation. But there is talk as to what kind of data should they use? Where can they get this particular data from? So would you be able to give us some data-driven examples? The recipe um, to deal with, with data, I'd say it's not, it's not a specific uh, for inflation. And we've, we've discussed this uh, several times, but um, for us, uh, it's a combination of two things. Is The first is um, a comprehensive data foundation. So when I say that, I, I refer to flexible data structures, agile workflows, strong governance capabilities. Um, so the combination of, of that um, data foundation with advanced integration capabilities so that you are able to support real-time integration, collaboration. So these two components are, are, are um, a nice way of approaching different issues and challenges in retail, being inflation one of them. But if we concentrate on inflation, which is the topic of, of today's conversation, I, I, I will give you some, some examples. For example, let's, let's think of on, on the product side of the product data. So, so here we see that companies are expanding the angle of product information, incorporating the cost components. So it is the raw materials, freight, transportation, labor, exchange rates and, and so forth. You can think of all the cost components. And because to have clarity on the different cost components and, and to be able to, to track them gives the, the retailers the ability to judge potential options and, and evaluate potential options and act for, for the, the one that it's, it's going to have less impact on cost and therefore 
it reduces the the need to impact on on customer on 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 customer pricing. So so um, having a um, a good cost structure will habilitate uh, uh, the 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 possibility to action, for example, real time cost monitoring. And that connects to the sourcing decisions and the transportation decisions that we we were discussing in the in the previous question. So so product information and, and cost information it's going to be very very relevant when when dealing with with decisions in in inflationary move, uh, moment. Category data. So so we we, we were um, mentioning in the first question. Uh, that many retailers are activating um, a, a movement to simplify their assortment, to, to concentrate on, on, on the core and key products. But when you narrow, when you want to narrow the scope uh, to what is really essential, you need to have a thorough understanding of um, the relationship between the different products within the category, what needs they are responding to, what, what, uh, what the relationship between them are, how customers will react to changes. So you need to have a lot of information about the, the insights of your categories if you wanna make your simplification decisions are efficient, efficient ones. So, so that's another angle of data. Pricing and promotions. So, so pricing and promotion actions are the first that um, the first one to, cons- to, to be considered when, when, when you're dealing with inflation. But the challenge here is to be as granular, granular as possible. So rather than implementing the broad price increases uh, that can erode customer uh, confidence, retailers need to tailor their inflationary price response by customer, by product segment, taking into account not only the margin performance, and, but but the, the customer's willingness to pay. So, so you need a lot of detail in order to execute with a kind of surgical approach because you don't want to damage your customer relationship uh, and, and you don't want to erode your profitability. So, so that's why it's so important to be to, to go granular when you when we talked about pricing and, 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 and promotion. The greater capabilities that you have on, on these data foundation and these integration capabilities, the better that you are able to act on the different components. Thank you for that, Miriam. That's that's very clear. So it really depends on the CPG in question what their needs are, because this is a complicated topic and we can often get lost in, in the data. And uh, so Brian, my next question to you would be, as CPGs want to retain their market share overall, and as they change strategies in response to pricing challenges, how can they respond from a data management and agility perspective? Yeah, thank you for that question. You know, one thing we we have to call out is that there may have been already one round of price increases for CPGs that they've passed on to retailers. And so uh, CPGs really need to have a good understanding of what's happening with the consumer, what's the competitive context, maybe even what's working in certain retailers, maybe work to replicate that. They really need to know, you know, what are their needs of their key retail partners? What do they expect from CPG and then work in that framework? Um, And then the key other thing is when you're building those strategies, have a long-term approach. 
Um, it's not just good to have, you know, take, take a price increase of 20% um, and really lower the, the unit volume because you're actually losing share. It's, it, everyone's winning on dollars or euros right now, but they're losing on unit share and their market share for unit share is going down in the category and that could affect the retail partners. So uh, when you're understanding the consumer, some of the things to think about is or to understand is, are your consumers in your category bargain hunting? Are they looking for deals or what is their um, point of view? Are they shifting? Say, for example, you know, there's a lot of shift maybe from fresh produce to frozen produce right now, or fro uh, frozen vegetables. Is there a shift going on between categories that are affecting your business? Consumers may be trending down. So are they shifting to private brands like Miriam said before? And then would it make sense for CBG maybe to also consider manufacturing um, private brand goods here in the, you know, as part of their strategy. And then um, what we've seen in many different um, recessions is that consumers may visit more value retail. So some of your key partners may be losing share and it's not only the, uh, because of uh, your brand, but it's really the overall mindset of the consumer shifting to maybe a lower price alternative. So those are some of the considerations. And when, when, CPGs respond to this, they need to think about multiple uh, parts of the marketing mix, which is the traditional four five or seven Ps, whatever you may have, but um, it's understanding the value that you're providing and making sure that you know, you're not um, hurting your business or hurting your retail partnership by maybe increasing uh, the price without providing any value. And I have a couple of good examples uh, to share about this as strategies. So one of them is uh, Mentos. Mentos is a gum company. And what they've done is they've been able to retain a high price for a, a big pack of gum, an 80 count. But what they've done is they've created sustainable packaging in there. So they're one of the few uh, gum companies with sustainable packaging. So now you have a premium value, even though you increase price and your price higher than some of your competitors. Another one is they, uh, you can look at the consumer. How are they consuming your product? If you have a six pack of hot dogs or sausages and these sausages are super big, how might you make it seven pack or change the value equation for the consumer while increasing your prices so they get more meals or more, um, more opportunity to feed their family through that? Um, um, another one is maybe uh, understanding the consumer. What are they searching for now? Maybe some have attributions. So in your data, you have to understand what attributions are, are um, or search terms are growing and then add that to your packaging, add that to your messaging, use your data management platform to add protein or low, low calorie, whatever the key search terms that are really hot right now, use that and then transform your products to reflect that and be more attractive which helps both the retail and the CPG. But overall, retailers and CPGs need to work together on these messaging. Sometimes retailers know a lot about what's, what's, what's really attractive right now for consumers, and the CPG may not know that, but by partnering together and collaborating, you'll be able to uh, maintain or maybe grow market share.
Thanks, Brian. And that brings us to our to our final question as to how can retailers and CPGs collaborate to help consumers defend uh, and defend against inflation? And this question is to both of you. Yeah, I, I would start with um, the key value items. And I think Miriam also has a good point of view on this is each retailer um, has key value items and this may be very different by location. So what are your top selling items? What are, what are what do consumers think when they walk in your door or go to your website as the key things that are uh, unique for that store and for that chain? So then also, how do you manage the, those items to make sure that you are have those items in stock, they're priced competitively, and you're meeting the, the needs of your consumers? So you need to like dig into the data uh, and understand the, the distribution and the assortment by location and then also be able to deliver a, a, a fair price to keep your business going on those key value items. And I will add to that. So, so retailers are in position of um, probably the, the, the most valuable information, which is the customer information. And um, as in general, um, we, we've mentioned that um, customer behavior will depend on on. Um, disposable income. When it comes to specific products and, and, and specific areas of the assortment, the perception of value may be different for different customer segments. So, so sharing that knowledge about what is valuable for your different customer segments with your CPG partners can be very relevant when it comes to not only bringing in new new alternatives of the product or the packaging, or but also to, to shape pricing and promotion decisions. So capturing the value and what means value for your customers is going to be very relevant and it will prevent your, your customers pivoting to, to what they can perceive as more valuable retailers. And sharing that with your partners is, is going to be key because if they have that information, they will be able to come to you with proposals so that you as a retailer have more levers to, to conduct the the um, the risk of losing your customers. Thank you for that, and uh, thank you for all these practical examples. Whether it's you know uh, you know identifying key data strategies, sharing information between retailers and manufacturers. In, uh, in a way that can actually keep the customer base. Thank you so much for these very practical examples. And uh, I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in. And if you'd like to know more about um, the Product Data Coalition and the work that we do at End-to-End -End Value Chain, please visit uh, the Consumer Goods Forum website, www.consumergoodsforum.com. And please look for the Product Data Coalition to know more. Thank you and have a great new year.